0: Welcome aboard, Captain.
1: Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek 3: The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Stoker.
0: And that would make you me your other co-host, Chris LaSalle.
1: That would make me you, your...
0: I don't know. That would make me...
1: <laughs> oh, I love giving you grief, Chris. Thank you. How you doing?
0: Uh, I'm good now. I'm just embarrassed.
1: <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so we are welcomed again by modelist extraordinaire, John Doobie. Welcome, John.
2: Hey, fellas.
0: Hey, John.
1: Hey, Chris. And we... And we are moving on to minute number 60. And minute number 60 starts with Sulu finishing his thought. We are secured from warp speed and ends with Kirk saying, what did you see? What did you see? What did you see? What's that? What's that?
0: (laughs) Jeez. Great. Now I'm going to have that stuck in my head the rest of the day.
1: (laughs) Um, So uh, just starting off, I I just want to say I thought we handled the Ponfar discussion pretty good. Um, I I hope that the uh, Facebook Federation is not a lit with uh, many many des- destructive conversations about Ponfar. I think we kept it PG, which was my goal. Yes, I think uh, we did a
0: good job, and I, and I think it's I think it's ripe for I, I think it's ripe for discussion. I think we could have we could have had like an entire week of Ponfar. Ponfar. I know we 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 probably. You know, constrained ourselves a little bit, but uh, yeah, we hit all. I, I, we definitely hit all the stuff I wanted to talk about, so I, I'm happy.
2: Yes, definitely. Me too. Sure thing. Well within well within FCC guidelines.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what do we think of? Um, what do you think? What do we think of of uh, Sulu's line here? We are secured from warp speed.
0: Oh, just a like. What does "secured" mean?
1: Yeah, have we ever? I, I, it just. It's just a weird line for me.
0: Yeah, could he just say "we're at, You know,
1: we're, we're, I feel like here. it would. He should. He just should have just said "now entering Genesis Sector." I don't. I don't feel like they've ever come out of warp and had to secure themselves.
0: Maybe. Uh, maybe George has you know in his contract he has to have so many lines and you know they, they, had, to, they had to give him one more. So yeah, I don't. I, it seemed unnecessary.
2: Yeah, I agree, because I think all they've ever really said is if they're going from warp, uh, you know, impulse power. You know, they might say that, but I've never heard them say that except for in this movie.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I just feel like it's a very, very odd line for them to put in here.
2: It also implies
0: a lot of stuff, too. Like, you know, so I've always thought that ships can just drop out of warp and, you know, Stuff yeah. and doing whatever the next thing is. This makes me think like there's a whole procedure of, okay, we're out of warp now. Let's, you know, reopen the windows and unbatten the hatches or whatever. It sounds like there's like things that mm. have to be done.
1: Um, yeah, it seems like it seems like this movie in particular, we've seen a lot of procedural things. Like when they first go to Starbase and, you know, they are locked in and, you know, uh, what Helm's not in our control anymore. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just feel like particularly Kirk, you know, is offering a lot of orders in – It just seems like it's we've gone from we've gone too far in that realm of being like the military, like Nicholas Meyer wanted, and we're now becoming you know, everything is called out. We're secured from warp speed. Roger, okay, proceed at impulse power. You know, I feel like it's not what not necessarily what Star Trek is.
2: Yeah, and and kind of just you know, you guys got me thinking about this whole uh secured you know from warp speed i would Mm -hmm. think that if you were going to say something it would be the reverse you know we're securing for warp speed right because you're going you're going faster right i would think right so yeah yeah, i I think that's that's actually a great call out on that line because it doesn't really make sense
0: yeah i didn't even notice it so that's a good catch there dave i i did have a i did have a note on his next statement though when he says now entering the genesis sector i would think that it would take a long time and there'd be a lot of bureaucracy in place to rename a hmm. sector from say mutara to genesis yeah and it seems like it just went like that um, i agree so whoever they named the mutaras well i'm assuming it was called the mutara sector i don't remember if that's actually called out on, on in the films or not but Whoever they named the Mutara sector after, do you don't think they'd be kind of annoyed that they just quickly renamed it to the Genesis?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I would. I would agree with that.
2: Now, this might be a callback to a previous minute, uh, but don't they refer to it as the Mutara sector? Doesn't McCoy or, or the pilot that he wanted to take him? Doesn't he refer to it that way?
0: Oh, yeah. At the bar. At the yeah. He might have said that. I, I'm trying to remember. He might have said Mutara Sector then, and then he said Genesis, and
2: Genesis. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, yeah, so then, I don't know. So it's, we've got uh, multiple namings here, so maybe there's just a bias, personal
1: so, bias. So uh, I happen to look a little bit of this up on Memory Alpha, and I'll read what, um, what it says here, and it says, The Mutara Sector was a region of space under Federation control. The Genesis sector, an area of space within this sector, consisted of the planet Genesis that was created when the Genesis devices exploded inside the Mutara Nebula. So it is – the Mutara sector is the big thing, and then the Genesis sector is the planet sector within it. At least that's how I'm reading it. Hmm. Sectors within sectors. Which I feel is just really weird.
2: It sounds like a Russian nesting doll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: That's that sounds like a little retconning to me.
1: But uh, okay.
2: I agree. Yes.
0: That, that would answer our question that we just had now. So, let's roll with <laughs> it. Thanks, Memory Alpha. Um,
1: I will say that I do love the shot of the Enterprise coming into the scene, and I think the I think. I think every external shot we've had of the Enterprise has looked fantastic mm-hmm. uh, in this movie. So just the, you're talking about the opening few seconds
0: of this minute itself.
1: Yeah, just seeing the Enterprise fly in. Yeah. Which I think looked really good, even though it's like one or two seconds of Enterprise, because then we cut to Chris's favorite time, which is being on the bridge.
0: Yeah. Again, bridge. Here, my only note on the bridge was I got to see Kirk's belt, and I didn't like his belt, so it's you know. Not, Nobody, nobody can make me happy with these bridge scenes for some reason. Um,
1: I don't but know. Yeah. My,
0: my note was that this from here, though, uh, we hear a little bit of the classic uh, original series theme. Yeah. And then it transitions into the Klingon theme. And I really dig that. And I couldn't remember, have we talked about, is the Klingon theme in this film... From the original series, or is it? It was. It was all made by James Horner for this film.
1: I think it was all. I think it was all made by James Horner, because I think this is different than the Klingon music that we hear in the motion picture. Oh,
0: is it? It's different from that too.
1: I think. Well, I think there's subtle differences to it. Yes. Okay. Um, but anyway, I did like the tra- I do like this transition. So you can
0: see me just trying to get away from the bridge part, which is not fair mm. to John, but. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's um, perfectly fine
0: no no but it, so John is there anything in the bridge you want to talk about
2: uh, uh, nothing in particular I mean I, I, I do like the bridge scenes and I know you guys have talked about this probably in previous minutes uh, but I actually I, I do like Kirk's belt uh, in this <laughs> and I actually do like what he's wearing I think I always wanted a shirt like that well maybe back in the <laughs> 80s anyway but I don't like what Sulu's wearing because it looks like a bathroom today.
0: Yeah. Oh, geez, Wow. Ugh.
1: We're
2: on
0: wow. opposite sides then. I don't know, John.
2: <laughs> I looked
1: at Kirk Kirk's belt, and it makes me think of uh, – remember during the 80s when you had those really vinyl plastic costumes with the plastic mask? And it would be like a Star Wars one, and it would say Star Wars right on it mm-hmm. with, yeah. like, the Darth Vader mask. Like, it, his belt looks like it's made out of that material. <laughs>
2: Yeah, looking at it right now, uh, I I can see that, and it's 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 killing my enthusiasm for the belt.
0: Oh, See, so we're ruining it for
2: but, John. <laughs> but it's okay. I still think Sulu looks like he's wearing a bathrobe.
0: you know, looking a little more now. Now you get me. Now you get me looking at it more closely. His belt matches his shirt. It's like got the same, you know, uh, Sydney Opera House
1: pattern to it. I know, it just looks weird. <laughs> let's just leave, <laughs> let's just leave it at that, and we'll move on. <laughs> all right. Um,
0: all right. Moving on then. So we get the bird of prey uh, in orbit, um, yep. around, and with the Klingon music, uh, pretty cool shot, I think.
1: Uh, agreed. Uh, except for I'm still not a big fan of the impulse engine light. Yeah. Uh, I just I'm, don't. I'm, gl- I'm just oh, sorry, don't think ahead. they. I just don't think they've, they've gotten it right.
2: Yeah, um, I actually had that in the notes that I had written for this. Um, two things. First of all, uh, I love the Bird of Prey. Uh, it's my second, well, it's actually my third favorite ship behind the Enterprise and the Reliant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, you know, calling out to movies that are going to come after this one, they have way overused this design. Um, but I still love it. Um and I would agree on the effect with the Impulse engine. It looks like there's two of them. And it drives me nuts.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, I don't think either Chris or I has been a big fan of the Impulse engine on the Bird of Prey. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, like a,
0: a lava drive, you know. <laughs> it's a, it doesn't fit. Um, so, John, you got me. So, just since we're talking about Bird of Prey here, um, you know, as a modeler, so you, you've, you've said you've built you've – built I think you have built multiple
2: Star Trek ships. Have you built the Bird of Prey before? I have not. It's actually I have. It's in my queue. Okay. So uh, it will it will be happening. I've built um, I built uh, the Reli- actually built two Reliance, one for myself uh, and and one for Dave. Um, uh, model of the Galileo. Uh, yeah. From the Galileo uh, Seven mm-hmm. uh, episode uh, and uh, Voyager. Okay
1: oh wow very cool yeah
0: so i built it's you just what it's amazing what just talking can do because you just lit up a memory that i had completely forgotten about that i i built as a kid probably like a six or seven year old a galileo Mm. model Um, yep and i still remember trying to decal it and it was you know you'd have to dip the decals like in water and then slide them up onto the Onto the model to get them to stick, and they were just like they'd fall apart. And you know, yep, a seven year old is not really made for decaling,
2: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it doesn't go hand unless they're
0: like a giant one single decal, you know, these all these fine tuned little windows and stuff. Um, but I really like that one. That was one I used to play with when, when I was, you know, usually sometimes models are you know, they're fragile and you can't do much with them, but I remember playing with that one quite a bit. And, uh, I'm way down memory lane right now,
2: <laughs> 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 very cool. Well, I did the same uh, when I was that age as well, and I'm listen. I'm still doing it, so nothing wrong with that. Cool.
0: All right, um, back on the Bird of Prey Bridge.
1: Yep, we get some good Torg and Maltz talk, whereas <laughs> I like to call them John Laroquette and Torg.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm resigning myself that it's Laroquette in there, but. Um, I'm, I'm more just praising the makeup artist and, and, and hiding him because there's not even a hint. I can't even tell. It's amazing.
2: I think it looks great. It looks yeah. fantastic. Uh, facially, you can't, because I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with John Larroquette. You definitely cannot tell from his. like I didn't know, actually, until you guys were talking about it in previous minutes, uh, that it was John Larroquette uh but then i went and kind of did a little research and it, it is him but the only way you could really tell is his voice
1: mm, right but even there he does such a he such. speaking of monotone i know we mentioned monotone last last minute but he speaks in such a nice monotone uh vessel entering sector uh you know even when we get to the, some of the other, other minutes when he talks and he's like, uh, when he talks about telecams. 1,000 kelicams. kelicams. <laughs> I love that.
2: Great baritone.
1: So they know that a ship is entering the, entering the sector. They know that they haven't been scanned. And Torg uh, is smart enough to know we better engage the cloaking device. So we, you chew.
0: Yeah, nice. Love it. Thanks, Dave. Hey, you're welcome. I had a note. Um, Torg uh, Torg refers to the Enterprise as a Federation battle cruiser. Yes, and that that must be just a is that just a Klingon thing? Because that's not how the Federation refers to their ships, right? Federations don't describe themselves as battle cruisers, or am I uh, being a bad Trekkie right now?
1: No, I would I would think that the opposite sides of a war or a battle or whatever, I think they're going to think you're. You know, hey, we're just out for training exercises. You know, no, you're making a, you're you're this is an act of war. You're in my space. I think it's the same sort of thing. Like, they think that all their ships are probably, you know, they're a warlike race. All of their ships are geared for war. Why wouldn't my opponent be geared for war?
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and I don't think uh, because I'm I'm basically the the old school Trekkie here. So <laughs> you're not being a you're not being a bad Trekkie, Chris. I don't pretty sure and all the episodes and I've seen them like dozens of times of the, of the old series and the Klingons are in them. They ever refer to the enterprise as a battle cruiser. So I think this is the first, this is the first time they have. And and I agree with Dave. I think it's because the Klingons militarize everything. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. That makes sense. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So what do we think of this, this cloaking sequence? Love it. (laughs) Love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love love when chips go into cloak. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's, a yeah, good. it's always
2: a am sorry, it's always a great effect. Uh, and the sound design that goes with it is actually uh, uh, really kind of cool. So,
0: so so since we've got a guest on, we haven't had a guest on in a little while, um, Dave and I keep debating this. The sound that the ship makes when it goes into Cloak, who can hear that sound? Is it just them, or can people <laughs> nearby hear it?
2: I would think it would be just them, because space is a vacuum. You're on Dave's
1: side. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they can hear. It. I think the effect is just
2: is just mostly for us.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's a cool sound effect
2: for sure. It's it's like the it's like the the whooshing of the Enterprise when it goes by. It's it's it doesn't make any sound in space, but it does for us. All right, so it's just for us. Yeah, well, I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> Interestingly, they cut to Krug's dog. Yeah, uh,
1: uh, Fifi, Fifi Rebozo,
0: Fifi Rebozo behind the scenes, Warrigal in the novelization. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they they show uh, they show him they show him, and I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, why are they showing him? Is he is he reacting to them cloaking? Like, do they do, do they feel it when they cloak?
1: I, I again, I found it a very odd choice that um, they cut to this.
2: Yeah, I, I got to say, I agree. Um, it's pretty you know,
1: incongruous.
2: It, it is. It's like, you know, and I thought about that. I'm like, well, maybe I, I, I don't. I don't know how you guys have described. Well, actually, you described it as like a lizard. I always think of it as a dog, um, yeah. a space yeah. dog. Klingon on yeah. dog, um, which looks, by the way, not real. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of watching, rewatching this minute, and I'm like, okay, why are they cutting to the dog? Mm. It just, yeah, it seems a little, uh, actually a lot out of place.
0: Yeah, I think it's because he feels it. I think, like, you know, when dogs know the weather's changing and, you know, something bad, earthquakes coming or something, you know, I think he feels whatever whatever cloaking does, I think he's feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. We know it's used a lot of energy, right? Um, So maybe he's feeling that energy surge. Hmm.
1: So uh, I I go back to one of the things you had originally said about uh, Fifi, Chris, is that it makes you think of uh, the Skeksy from uh, Dark Crystal. And that's all I can see now every time I see an image of this.
0: (laughs) Totally. I can almost hear those screechy voices they
2: used. I'm going to have to see that movie now. I have never seen it.
0: Oh. Oh, Fantastic movie. movie. We should stop recording right now. (laughs) (laughs) let you go watch it and come back and we can talk about it it's uh i mean if you're a fan of the muppets i don't even know if you can say if you're a fan of the muppets you should see this it's just it's like a thing unto itself yeah would you say dave i mean there's no i mean other than you know it's jim henson yeah i don't there's there's no hint of, of muppetry in there you know it's it's very different but it's a it's a cool story it looks amazing
1: um, I know they had uh, there have been comments about whether or not they're gonna they were gonna make a sequel or or whatnot but uh, yeah it is just the universe the idea it, it's just amazing yeah the creatures they created for it
0: yeah all of them every like almost every creature is like
1: just
2: wildly imaginative right yeah well I'll definitely have to check it out maybe it'll make me like the space dog more <laughs>
0: Now, but see, now the reverse is going to be true, right? You're going to see the Skeksis, and you'll be like, "Oh, that looks like the Fifi from uh, Star Trek."
1: <laughs> Good old Fifi Rebozo.
0: All right, so we get to uh, we cut away from Fifi for whatever reason, uh, and then we uh, get this great um, shot of the Enterprise arriving. Um, yep. Seems like only you know minutes ago we saw Enterprise leaving Genesis, um, and so. What do you guys think of this shot?
1: Again, I think it's another fantastic shot of the Enterprise.
2: Yeah, I agree. There's 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 nothing like when they do that fly over the camera shot, and then frame it with the planet and the sun in there. It's it's actually well lit and just a great, uh, great view of the Enterprise.
1: Yeah, for sure. I agree. Uh,
2: so one of the things we were
0: talking about offline. So John is a is a is a, is a model maker and does has has made made several star trek ships and um i've always commented on i really like the i like the starships because the they always look like the saucers are made up you can kind of see the plating looks like the saucers are made up all these different panels but john you said there's actually some terminology for how they do that
2: yeah and it actually goes all the way back to the original uh the first star trek movie uh and the guy that built the model also uh painted it Uh, And when he painted it, he used uh, pearlescent shades of like red uh, and yellow and blue and green, uh, essentially, um, in a pattern that they refer to as Aztecing. So that when you see the Enterprise uh, pass through a light source or over a light source or under a light source, um, it looks like paneling. But if you sometimes if you can catch like really close, you'll see the red, you'll see like a yellow or a green or a purple. Uh but it looks obviously it looks really cool. Um and you know, some in fact one of the copies of the Reliant that I that I built, uh, you know, I use that and basically the process of using paint masks and different uh pearlescent paints will get you that effect and it looks really cool under a light source. Uh it just takes a really long time to do.
0: So, they, so you essentially have to individually paint each one of those, what looks like a panel, each, each one is a different color?
2: Uh, well, you kind of use a You basically, you know, you could technically, yes, you could use like multiple colors, which would require putting different paint masks on and taking them off. Um, it's, a, it's a really, it's a long process. Um, I tended to use, you know, four uh, colors, a blue, a green, a gold, and a red. Um, on the Reliant, just because if I hadn't done that, I'd still probably be building it. <laughs> um, you know, uh, cause it just takes, it took me, uh, to do my copy of the Reliant. It took me about five months. Wow.
0: So if I saw if you see it in person, does it look like rainbow colored or you just, is it just really,
2: it's about the lighting that's around it? It's really about the lighting. You can only really tell that the, that the colors are there. If you uh, if you kind of move it a little bit from side to side under a under a light source, okay. Otherwise, it just looks like slightly grayish, whitish paneling, um, much like you see in, in the in this minute, for example, when you look at the Enterprise, uh, and I think it's you know right about like uh, it's about the forty-five second mark, and you just kind of slowly go through that, and you can kind of see what looks like darker Panels and lighter panels. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's actually different shades of color.
0: Very cool. Awesome. Aztec-ing. I learned a new a new word today. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, very cool. Well, then what else do we have in this minute? We've got a little off-screen <laughs> chatter.
1: Yep. Yep. I'd swear something was there. I swear something was there, sir. And Kirk says, "What did you see?" And that ends our minute.
0: Yeah. I guess we'll find out. Tomorrow, Friday. Uh, any other notes for this one, guys?
1: I do not have any other notes.
0: All right. Yep. Well, cool. Well, then, uh, why don't we wrap it up here, and uh, we'll uh, take a break, and we'll come back on Friday, and maybe John will have watched uh, the Dark Crystal between now and then. Um,
2: we'll see. Indeed, it's home. It's homework now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, all right. So, homework for our listeners, then, while while uh, while you're waiting, um, if you could do, do us a favor, head out to iTunes and uh, if you haven't already, uh, leave us a rating. Uh, that'd be awesome. Leave us a review. That would be even better. We'd love to get your feedback on how the show's going. Uh, we're trying to hit a goal of uh, at least 50 ratings and reviews this season, and we're getting there. So we appreciate those who who have, who have done it, but if you haven't, why don't you head on out and uh, take care of that for us, please? And thank you. We're looking to get the show. Uh, higher up in the rankings of the star trek podcaster out there and uh, we'll be back again on friday uh, talking about minute 61 of the search for spock here at the star trek minute bye now
2: bye see ya